the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network, presented by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Friday morning, August 18th. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode as we have four matches to preview. It is quarterfinal time in Cincinnati. So looking forward to going through those four matches. Before we get into any of that, do want to recap what happened in yesterday's action. Starting off with the lock and dog picks, unfortunately did not sweep. However, we did technically make money as we did end up losing the lock, but we won the dog. Starting off with the lock pick, ended up having her catch and Sitsi Paz over. 24 and a half games, did not get there. Sitsi Paz really underperformed and he got buried. So picked up a loss there, but did end up winning the dog as we had Paul and Alcaraz over. 22 and a half games at plus 105. It flew over. First two sets went to tie breaks and it ended up going three. So a nice easy winner there. So once again, split, but we ended up uh, winning the dog. So we did technically make money. But for the second straight episodes, the leans, the plays that we recommended or leaned to, but did not officially give out at the end, were very, very good. We had a great day in tennis once again. To go through all the leans there, uh, we had Papyron and Rusevori over two and a half sets. That got there. We had the over two and a half sets in the Zverev and Medvedev match. Also leaned to Zverev plus the games there. That ended up winning. Uh, McDonald ended up retiring, so that match did not actually uh, result in anything for the spread. Uh, I mentioned her catch and Sitsipas before. I did mention there was some value on her catch money line, which got there. But of course, we cared more about the total, which did not. As for Alcaraz and Paul, the over got there. And I mentioned the over two and a half sets as well at plus 150. That ended up getting there. I was dead wrong about the Purcell and Warenka match. That was the only thing I was wrong on basically for the entire day. And then you ended up having the uh, Fritz and Lahovich match, which Fritz won 5 nothing. I'll get back to that in a second. And then you had Djokovic against Monfi, which I thought Djokovic would win, but I didn't have lines at the time. So once again, I really didn't have much to break down for that match. But overall, we were wrong about the Warenka and Purcell match, and we were wrong about the Sissipas and her catch over. Besides that, we... Basically got everything right, and once again, the retirements meant that some of the plays we leaned to, which were not in good shape, ended up getting voided, so they were ir irrelevant for the recap purposes, but still, very good episode, and to go through some of the actual just takeaways for the matches, props to Zverev for getting past Medvedev, he had a couple of opportunities earlier this year to beat Medvedev on clay, and even in Indian Wells, and he fell apart every time, but he was finally able to get over the hump. And Zverev personally credited some of that uh, victory to Alcaraz, of all people, because he claimed that Alcaraz gave him some tips on how to beat Medvedev while they were playing golf last week. And I don't want to say that, once again, uh, Alcaraz is never going to lose to Medvedev, but... I mentioned in the past several times that just styl stylistically, it's going to be very difficult for Medvedev to beat Alcaraz because of how aggressive Alcaraz can be. And you're looking at, once again, what unfolded in the Zverev match. The fact that Zverev was, was giving Alcaraz full credit for saying that he played golf with Alcaraz in Toronto and just straight up Alcaraz volunteered him a perfect game plan that resulted in a Zverev win. I think that tells you that 
Once again, Medvedev is going to have a hard time beating Alcaraz in the future, but Zverev, once again, took advice from maybe an unlikely source, and it paid off as he was able to win in three. Uh, besides that, though, uh, Pass is a head case. It is what it is. Unfortunately, I tried to back a head case by taking it over. Didn't work out. A uh, bunch of retirements, though. In general, that trend is continuing. As we saw, McDonald retire and Lahovich. Even on the women's side, you ended up seeing uh, Vekic retire after seven games. You saw Rabakina retire after set after a set and seven games. And she was actually winning that match. She won the first set that was down 5-2 to Paolina. Uh, Paolini, sorry, into the second set, and she ended up retiring. So once again, some players who are feeling a little bit off are willing to quit or punt this event because the U.S. Open is a couple weeks away. So just keep that in mind. I don't think you're going to see many more retirements, but it's pretty standard right before the final Grand Slam of the year to see players constantly dropping like flies. So just keep that in mind. Not exactly unusual, but just something that's worth monitoring. But I mentioned the... Uh, once again, Tsitsipas lost because he's a head case. And I did not mention before, by the way, one general theme from yesterday's action, which I mentioned over the weekend, was the wind. The wind was crazy in Cincinnati on Thursday. And as a result, you saw the ball flying all over the place. And it was really difficult to actually keep the ball in play. And that's why you saw a couple of marathon matches unfold. But that was definitely one piece that I forgot to mention before, which I should have handicapped for, so apologies there, yet the leans were good anyway. But the point is, it was, based on the upcoming weather projection, the last big wind day in Cincinnati. So Friday looks relatively clear, Saturday looks fine, and Sunday looks fine too. Bit of wind, maybe six miles per hour, but not double digits like it was on Thursday. So that should not be a serious issue moving forward. But anyway, uh, going through the rest of the card, Alcaraz finally beat Paul. So congrats to him. It's the second time he's beaten Paul this year, but every match they have is an absolute war. It's why we took the over, and it's why, once again, we thought that Paul was pretty live to win the match, and he was. In fact, Paul arguably should have won in straight sets, because if you go through how the match played out, first two sets went to breakers, but there were definitely not a series of holds for these players. You had Tommy Paul, who was up 5-2 in the first set, and he ended up choking it. Then he was actually at 5-5, down above 40. So he almost lost the last five games of the set, but he ended up holding on at 5-5 to up 6-5, and then he ended up uh, losing in the tiebreaker in the first set. But he was up 5-2 in the first set and could not convert. Then he was up 5-3, in the second set, and he choked that away too, but uh, let me just actually check this. Sorry, he was up 5-4. I take it back. He was up 5-4 in the second set, and he choked that too, but he was able to eventually win in a tiebreaker 7-0, and then he ended up losing in the third set as he fell behind the break immediately and could not get the break back. But Paul, once again, was up 5-2, and then he ended up losing the first set. He could have easily have won. That's the point I'm trying to make. But either way, it definitely was an impressive showing by both players. And I will point out that I thought Alcaraz was quite fortunate because Alcaraz did lose in the tiebreaker 7-0 in the second set. And then there was a, an immediate weather delay for a couple hours. So I did think that Alcaraz was, I don't want to say running on fumes, but it felt like the tide of the match was kind of turning in favor of Paul. And then next thing you know, there's a massive weather delay. 
and Alcaraz can regain his bearings. And then after that, Alcaraz immediately broke Paul in the third set. So it's a bit un- unlucky for Paul because I thought that he was actually on the verge of winning the match. But still, the point is it's weather-related, nothing you can do. But Alcaraz definitely was fortunate to win that match because of the built-in timeout, per se, for a couple hours based on the bad weather. But either way, survive in advance. Alcaraz moves on into the quarters. Uh, for the Purcell and Warenka match, not really much to add. Purcell's been incredible so far in this event so props to him Warenka with a disappointing showing but still been playing better for the last couple weeks which is an encouraging sign then you had one of the weirder matches of the day which was only five games long as Fritz ended up winning five nothing now the crazy storyline for this matchup was the fact that first of all I didn't even know Lahovich was injured because he beat center and then you just assumed all right you know nice upset win beat a top 10 guy and now we'll see if Lahovich can make it interesting And then Lahovich proceeded to go out on court and win a total, this is a total, of zero points in the entire match. They played five games. We were one game away from a golden set, which is one of the rarest feats in all of sports. It's when a player wins an entire set without dropping a single point. And we were one game away because Fritz won Every game to love. It was 5 nothing. Lahovich didn't win a single point. And at 5 nothing, he said, what the hell am I doing with my life? I'm getting out of here. And Lahovich left. So we might have been robbed, potentially, of a golden set. Now, I'm kind of being facetious here because I'm aware Lahovich was clearly injured. I don't think that he suddenly lost the first 20 points of the match and for the fun of it and then quit because he was embarrassed. No, I think he was injured. Like, I'm aware that, once again, I'm being a little bit facetious, but... You don't see many, if any, golden sets on tour ever. I think there was one in the women's tour like 10 years ago. I don't remember. But we were one game away from it, which is uncharted territory for the most part. And unfortunately, it did not happen because Lahovich ended up uh, retiring. But still, and then for the last match, you had Djokovic winning in straight sets. Congrats to Monfi. Monfi now moves to 0-19. Lifetime against Djokovic. 0 and 19. I'll tell you right now, if I was ever playing against somebody in anything, whether it involved basketball, a board game, maybe ping pong, something, if I lost 19 matches in a row and I never won, I'm never playing the person again. Like, that's just how it's going to go. I'm just not even going to waste my time. And Monfi has spent a lot of his career trying to get over the hump. I feel that's a pretty good way of describing Monfi. He's been an entertaining guy, and he's been, of course, able to make some deep runs on occasion in Grand Slams. But Djokovic has always beaten him, and he probably always will, because they're not getting any younger, and now Monfi's 0-19. I wouldn't exactly equate it to the Gasquet versus Nadal rivalry. I'm not, I can't even call it a rivalry because Nadal beats Gasquet every time they play. It's pretty similar, but 0-19 is pretty wild, and that's something that you don't see that often. So I wanted to mention that Monfi is uh, probably never going to be Djokovic, and I'm not shocked that Djokovic ended up winning in straight sets. But anyway, time to move into the actual Friday preview. So four matches on the card. First match will be taking place at 1 p.m. Eastern time, so you do have extra time to get your bets in. Apologies for the late recording time, but I was traveling all day as I ended up going to Milwaukee which is Wisconsin land, for those of you not from America, but I'm in town for a wedding, so I was busy traveling, and as a result, I had some wedding responsibility stuff, so I was busy, but now I had some free time. Apologies that the episode's coming out late, but once again, the 
uh, each individual match is starting later, so you have more time to get your bets in. But either way, starting off with the first match on the card, you have Hercatch taking on Papyrin. I'm going to warn you right now, by the way, out of these four matches on the card, this is actually the smallest favorite at minus 330. It is a massive card of favorites. So if you're expecting to see any upsets, you might make a decent amount of money because there's a lot of big favorites on the card. So starting off with Hercatch, minus 330. Papyron is plus 275. Hercatch is minus three, basically, on the games, but three and a half is plus 110. And plus three and a half is minus 130. Over under a 22 and a half. Over is minus 130. Under is plus 110. And if you want to look at the other... Uh, bets you can make over two and a half sets is plus 150. Her catch to win in straight sets is minus 115. Papyron to win a set is is a minus 115 as well. So looking at the head-to-head quickly between these two players, uh, they have not exactly faced off many times in the past, and I might be potentially underselling it, but they faced off twice, and her catch is 2-0. In the head-to-head, they faced off in Indian Wells, actually, two times. In 2021, her catch won 6-1-7-5, and they faced off in Indian Wells once again in 2023, so earlier this year, and her catch did win 6-3-6-3. Now, I don't think Indian Wells is a great tournament to compare to others because it is the slowest hard court on the entire schedule out of the year by a wide margin. But Cincinnati is relatively slow as well, so you can make an argument that it's a somewhat decent comp. I'm not sure if it's the best, but the point is you have seen Hercatch look very comfortable, and going through his tournament run so far, beat Kokonagas in three, beat Chorch in three, defending champion, and beat Sitsipas comfortably. It's really difficult to evaluate yesterday's matches and to apply them to the matches on Friday because with the wind being a serious wildcard element in the action, it's really difficult to once again tell who's going to play extremely well on Friday if the win's not going to be a factor. So I have to at least point that out. Now, looking at trends, Herkatch has been involved in a lot of marathons as he ended up going to three sets against Chorch, three sets against Kokonakis, three sets against Alcaraz, and three sets against Kekmanovic. So he has gone to three sets in four of his last five singles matches. As for Papyron, he's been a three-set machine, and it's why I like the three sets against Rusevori. He's gone to three sets in all four matches here, as he ended up going three sets yesterday, went three sets against Altmaier, went three sets against Purcell, which he lost, and he's here as a lucky loser, but still went to three sets, and he beat Vashka in three sets. So once again, he has been a bit of a three-set marathon guy, if you want to date back even to Clay. Three sets against Warrenka, three sets against Arnaldi. So... If you're looking at the numbers here, Papyron has gone to three sets in each of his last six matches, which is kind of insane. So I do think I'm kind of gravitating towards the over in this match. 22.5 does feel a bit low. If the win's not going to be a serious factor, then I do think you might see a bit of a marathon match because both players are good at serving. And once again, you did see a lot of small score lines per set in the matches yesterday, which was a big... I'd say, product of the wind because players could not hold serve regularly and the ball tosses were all over the place. But if you're assuming wind is not going to be that big of a factor and you are expecting big servers to have some success here, both players are definitely talented at serving, and I do think you can see a couple breakers here. 22.5, I think, is a little bit too low, so I'm going to lean to the over on that one. Do I think Papyron's going to win? No. I think Hercatch is going to win. I think he's in better form, but... I do think Papyron's good enough 
to hold serve against her catch, who's kind of a tiebreaker machine, and he's not a great returner in his own right. So I can see a world where her catch wins maybe two breakers, maybe it goes three sets, but I do think that the over 22.5 is worth a look here at minus 130, and that's my favorite play on this match. Moving on to the... I probably wouldn't mind, by the way, the, the over two and a half sets at plus 150, but I'll take the over in games to be safer. But anyway, moving on to the next match, you have the biggest favorite on the card as you have Alcaraz taking on Purcell, and Alcaraz is laying five and a half games. Purcell is getting five and a half, and if you're looking at the actual prices, Alcaraz minus five and a half is minus 115. Purcell minus 105 is the price on the other side. If you want to look at the money line, Alcaraz is minus 1,200 and Purcell is plus 750. Over-under is 19.5. The over is minus 105. The under is minus 115. And if you want to look at the other lines here, you can get Purcell to win a set at plus 220. Alcaraz to win in straight sets is minus 280. Now, first of all, I am aware once again that Alcaraz should be a massive favorite based on ranking. However, if we're going solely based on comfort, on who's looked better, or I should say who's had less lapses, I'll put it that way, who's had less lapses in the first couple days in Cincinnati, the answer is Purcell. Now, Purcell has had an easier level of competition because he ended up beating Lloyd Harris, who I don't think is very good, beat Rude. That's a very good win. Rude's a solid player, but he's had a down year. And he beat Warenka in straight sets yesterday. Alcaraz, though, has been involved in a lot of really long matches, and he's gone to three sets in each of his last four matches. Now, he faced off against Paul twice, faced off against Thompson, which was a bad showing in Cincinnati in his opening match, but he won in three, and he ended up facing off against Hercatch in Toronto, which he won in three. The point is, though, Alcaraz has not looked great on these courts, and Purcell has. I think Purcell's been very good. Once again, Purcell has not only been effective, and he went through qualifying. He had a couple of marathon matches against Van Ash and against Papyron. But since that point, he's only dropped one set, and it was against the top 10 player in the world in Root. Like, he's been really, really good. And even though Warenka had, a, had an off match with the wind yesterday, and I am aware that, once again, the wind definitely hurt Warenka a lot more than Purcell because Warenka goes for winners more often than Purcell does. But I do think when you're looking at how the scheduling plays out, it's a pretty good scheduling spot for Purcell. I mentioned before that Alcaraz was a bit fortunate to have a delay in the middle of his match, which allowed him to regain his composure. But the point is he still played a very long match against Paul. And I want to actually look up the length of that match because I believe the second set alone was over an hour and 20 minutes. So he was on the court for a long time. It was divided, but the match itself was three hours and 12 minutes. So once again, Alcaraz spent a lot of time on the court, and I do wonder about fatigue, not to mention the fact that he's just been underwhelming so far in these slow, hard courts events in North America. But Purcell, by comparison, so three hours and 12 minutes for Alcaraz in his match against Paul yesterday. Purcell was on the match for a total of one hour and 12 minutes. So Purcell was on the court for two hours less than Alcaraz yesterday, and he's getting five and a half. Now, once again, Purcell doesn't have to win. I'm not saying he's going to win at plus 750, but if you want to give me five and a half games, fading a guy that has been in pretty bad form so far in this type of environment on the slow hard courts, and he's also a three-plus set marathon yesterday, while the other guy played about an hour and change, I think there's value on the dog here. I think five and a half is an insane line. I think you could end up seeing, a, for example, a 6-4, 6-3 score line. That's a pretty 
sizable win by Alcaraz, still not enough to cover. I just think that until Alcaraz wins one match comfortably in straight sets, I'm not going to pick him. And even a straight set win against Shelton, the only straight set hardcore win that he's had in the last couple of weeks, he still didn't cover. He won in a spread of four as that went to, I believe it was six three seven six. But the point is, if you want, if you want to give me five and a half with a guy that has been playing some very consistent quality tennis on a court style or a court, let's say speed that's given the favorite series problems. I'm taking the games. I think five and a half is a crazy line, and I think that Alcaraz is going to win, but probably not cover. So I'll take Purcell plus the five and a half. Can he get buried? Of course he can. It's Carlos Alcaraz we're talking about. Like I'm aware Purcell is in line to potentially get buried if Alcaraz figures it out, but it's been a, like a weakened change with these slow hard courts, and Alcaraz is still not figuring it out. So give me Purcell plus the five and a half, and I'll link to the over. I think Alcaraz wins, but I think that once again, this spread is a little bit too large. Moving on to the next match, you have Zverev taking on Manorino, and this is a pretty lopsided head-to-head matchup, which is why Zverev is a massive favorite at minus 440. I wasn't joking when I said her catch was the smallest favorite at minus 330. A lot of big favorites on the card, but Zverev's minus 440. You have Manorino at plus 360. For the spread, you have minus 4.5 on Zverev, and Manorino is plus 4.5, minus 110 on both sides. Over-under is at 20.5. The over is minus 120. The under is even money. And if you want Zverev to win in straight sets, you can get that at minus 145. Manorino Reno to win a set is plus 115. Match to go to three sets is plus 180. I forgot to mention, by the way, Purcell and Alcaraz to go three is plus 260. I'm not saying he's going to win a set, but you know, if you want to take a flyer, I don't hate it. So that's just to backtrack for a second. Now, to go through the head-to-head, between Zverev and Manorino. I said a second ago that it's lopsided, and it is. It's 7-0 in favor of Zverev. And to look at the last couple meetings, they did not face off this year, but they faced off in Montpierre, which is a hardcore event in France. Faced off in 2022, and Zverev won 6-1-6-0. So you had the German bakery open that day because he had a couple of breadsticks and bagels. But still, uh, he wins all these matches pretty comfortably. Now, to go through the match in 2021, they faced off in the Australian Open, and Zverev did win 6-3, 6-3, 6-1. So he has won, to go through the numbers here, uh, including the next match I'm going to talk about, he has won six straight sets on hard court against Manorino. But there were a couple of close matches in 2020. Zverev won in three against Manorino in Paris, and he won in three in Germany. So they have had a couple of closer matches in the past, but once again, Zverev has definitely improved his level over the last couple of years, and he's looking, I don't want to say the exact like the exact same guy pre-injury, but Zverev's been close, and I think that his win over Medvedev, who's been a pretty solid rival for him in the past, is going to definitely give him a boost of confidence. Now, Manorino did have a nice win yesterday where he was a bit fortunate that McDonald got hurt, but still, you know, it's not his problem. He ended up winning 6-4, 3-0, but still... He hasn't dropped a set as you in this event as he beat Gasquet, beat Felix, and beat McDonald. But the point is, his level, of, his level of competition has not exactly been great because Gasquet is well past his prime, and he's had a pretty rough go of it for the last couple of months. Felix, I've mentioned several times on the show, as being one of the biggest underachievers in this entire year. If I was voting for the most underwhelming performer on the men's tour, 
it probably would be Felix. I'm assuming he'd win that Oscar, but still, McDonald was having a good tournament in Toronto, but like Fakina, eventually it was too much tennis for his body, and he had to give up. Uh, give up. But once again, it's a bit of a weak trio of opponents that Manorino beat. It's a massive step up in competition. I think Zarev probably wins in straight sets. Is it going to be the easiest? Maybe not. I think you could see a breaker in here, maybe a 7-5. But I do think that Zverev is probably going to end up winning this in straight sets. So I am going to go with Zverev in straight sets at around minus 145, as Manorino just stylistically isn't exactly fit to fully handle Zverev. He hits the ball flat, which I know is Manorino's thing, but Zverev's willing to rally. He's got a bigger serve. He can volley two to end points quickly. And I do think that once again, Manorino has been a bit fortunate about his opponents up to this point. So give me Zverev to win in straight sets at minus 145. And moving on to the last match on the card, you have Djokovic against Fritz. Djokovic is minus 435. Fritz is plus 355. As for the spread, you can find somewhere between three and a half and four and a half. If you want to meet in the middle for four, you can. But three and a half is minus 150. And a plus three and a half for Fritz is plus 120. Four and a half is plus 120 for Djokovic. And plus four and a half is minus 140 for Fritz. Over-under is a 21 and a half. The over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. And if you want to go for some alt lines here, you can get 22 and a half. Over is even money. Under is minus 130. Match to go to three sets is plus 165. Fritz to win a set is plus 105. Djokovic to win in straight sets is minus 135. So I just mentioned the Zverev head-to-head against Manorino being one-sided. Djokovic not far behind against Fritz as he's 6-0. And if you want to go through all the head-to-head meetings, Djokovic has lost a set in, or at least one set, in one of those six meetings. And that was in the Australian Open back in 2021. I believe Djokovic was battling an injury in that match. I think he started cramping at some point. But either way, Djokovic won the first two sets there, then lost the next two, and won the final set 6-2. But to go through the last couple of meetings, they faced off in the ATP Finals last year. Djokovic won 7-6-7-6. They faced off in Paris in 2021. Djokovic won 6-4-6-3. Faced off in Rome. So now we're transitioning over to clay. Won in straight sets. Faced off in Madrid. Also clay in 2019. Djokovic won in straight sets. Faced off in Monte Carlo. Also clay 6-3-6-0. So I'll toss the clay matches in the garbage because Djokovic is a lot better on clay than Fritz is. And I know that Djokovic is better on every surface than Fritz, but Fritz is definitely a hardcore player. Or if you want to throw in grass, you can. But the point is he is not the greatest player on clay. So I'll stick with the hardcore matches. I think Djokovic kind of buries him in this spot. I know that Fritz, once again, did not lose a single point yesterday, but Lohovic was clearly injured, and Djokovic has looked very sharp. Monfi, once again, I mentioned is 0-19 against Djokovic, but Monfi was in good form entering that match, and Djokovic just beat him like it was nothing. I think Djokovic is going to beat Fritz once again. Fritz is a good server, but Djokovic is the best returner of all time, and I do think that Fritz is not a great returner in his own right because he commits too many unforced errors. I think Djokovic probably wins in straight sets. I think he probably buries Fritz. Is Are you going to see a breaker in this match? Maybe. Are you going to see two breakers? I doubt it. But with the slow speeds of the hard courts here, that should help neutralize the serve to some degree for Fritz. And any of these, most of these long rallies, Djokovic has an edge against anybody against Fritz on rallies over 10 shots. I'm assuming Djokovic is going to win about 70% or more of those because Fritz is really not the type of player that loves to have constantly long rallies, and that's what Djokovic wants to do. I think Djokovic probably wins in straight sets, 6-4, 6-3, something like that. 
pretty standard, but I think Djokovic wins pretty comfortably. So once again, it's going to be a bit interesting going through lock and dog because I picked the favor to win all these matches. But we'll get creative and we'll find something. But either way, that's going to wrap it up for these four matches in the quarters. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But forward to that, can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I love to attend sporting events in person. And the one thing that's annoying about that is being stressed out when buying those tickets. Let me tell you right now that Game Time does solve that problem because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. They also have great features on the app, including the images of seat views. And when I'm personally buying tickets, I love that feature because I like to know what my view is going to be if I do buy those tickets, and that helps me with the filtering down process before I make my purchase. But Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets it's right up to the day of the event and game the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code sgpn for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account or redeem the code sgpn for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets Lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by the SGP Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get exclusive access to contests, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize. Besides season-long contests, they also have weekly contests just for patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes stories from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling. Do your part and sign up today. SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon, SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinals in Cincinnati. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I think I kind of have to do it as dangerous as it sounds. I'm going to take Purcell. Plus the five and a half games and minus 105. I just think that's an insane price. Alcaraz, once again, has gone to three sets regularly over the last week or so on these slow hard courts. And Purcell's been very, very comfortable here. He played two hours less than Alcaraz did yesterday. And I do think that can result in maybe an early start. Or maybe if you see Alcaraz get a little bit of fatigue at times during this match, maybe Purcell can, can capitalize. But five and a half games, I just think it's too big for a guy that really has had a hard time of winning, not even just convincingly, but winning short matches. He's just been involved in a bunch of marathons, and I think Purcell's been in good enough form to make life difficult for Alcaraz. Now, is he going to win? I didn't say that, so don't put words in my mouth. I'm not telling you Purcell's going to beat Alcaraz, but I do think that Alcaraz is going to not look that impressive on the scoreboard when this match is over, and I do think that Purcell can lose 6-4, 6-4, and that's a reasonable scoreline. I get the argument. Purcell's not a guy that has a lot of firepower. He's going to try to rally and try to out-rally Alcaraz. Usually does not work out, but on these slow hard courts, it actually kind of has worked out. That's why Paul was able to beat Alcaraz and why he arguably should have beaten him yesterday. It's just a lot of unforced errors from Alcaraz, and I do think that Purcell can keep the ball in play. I think that he's been in good form, and I like this number. I think it's a large number, but too large based on recent form. Give me Purcell plus the five and a half as my lock at minus 105. And for my dog, I think I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go with the Djokovic and Fritz match under 21 and a half games at plus 105. Simply put, Djokovic, besides the Australian Open a couple of years ago, 
has not dropped a set against Fritz in any of the other five head-to-head matches. A couple clay matches in there, but the last two hardcore matches, Djokovic won in straight sets, and with the slow court speeds here, I think Djokovic will get some breaks. Now, Fritz was in very good form yesterday, but once again, I do think that was kind of a mix where it takes two to tango, where Fritz was playing some good tennis, but Lahovic couldn't move, which is why Lahovic didn't win a single point. I don't care how good your form is. If you can't win a point in five games as a professional, you're clearly injured. So I think that yesterday's events or matches are kind of irrelevant for Fritz, but I do think it's a massive step up in competition, obviously, from an injured Lahovic to a healthy Djokovic. And Djokovic against Monfi looked really, really good. I think Djokovic has looked like the best player at this event. He's only played three sets. I'm aware of that, but still, I think Fritz is going to run up against a guy that he's just not as good as. And I think that Djokovic will be able to probably win this match in straight sets with maybe like a 6 4, 6 4 score line. Like, I'm not even sure you're going to see either set reach more than 10 games. I think Djokovic can break Fritz a couple of times, and if Fritz does have some issues with the first serve percentage, then Djokovic is going to be all over a second serve. So give me Djokovic and Fritz under 21.5 at plus 105 as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Purcell plus the 5.5 at minus 105, and the dog will be Djokovic and Fritz under 21.5 games at plus 105. That's going to wrap it up for this quarterfinals episode in Cincinnati. I'm going to be back tomorrow for the semifinals. But until next time, find me on Twitter at Racial Radio. Find me on the MLB show, the NBA show, the WNBA show, and, you know, you know, a bunch of other podcasts on the network. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.